Welcome to the Sunday message from Hollyview Church in Boring, Oregon. We gather every Sunday morning as a worshiping community of Jesus followers on mission to see God glorified in our lives, our cities, and around the world. At Hollyview, the Bible serves as our foundation and guide for both life and ministry. It tells the story of God and the story of us. We believe the better we know the themes and flow of the biblical story, the better we will be able to find our little place in God's grand storyline. Thank you for joining us. And now here's this week's message from Hollyview Church. Elder Craig Johnson is preaching on 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 25. I want to welcome everybody here this morning. I'm a little bit tense, as you probably are aware. I just wanted to say one thing. When I was little, maybe six, seven, eight years old, I had uh, the privilege of knowing an elderly man. He was a widower. His wife had died, whose business was clock repair. This happened a long time ago, so I'll see if I can remember all these things. He would repair them, rebuild them, replace them, and uh, replace parts. He even sometimes replaced the whole clock. He worked long hours, and he charged very little. He had very few material possessions. But he was a very happy man. One of the things that he used to do was he would make not only clocks or repair clocks, but in his spare time, he would make puppets or dolls. And he would be very intricate in the way that he painted them, the ways that he designed them. And uh, the reason he would make these puppets or dolls is because he would give them to needy children. He was very meticulous with them, and they were very, uh, very good, very exquisite. Let there be light. (laughs) He had given so much, but one of the things he did not have is somebody to share uh, his life with him. And he wanted so much to have a son of his own. The man's name was Geppetto. And he made a puppet whom he named Pinocchio. Most of you have probably heard this story already. The Blue Fairy came and granted life to Pinocchio, even though he was wooden. She had one condition. He had to be brave, truthful, and unselfish. Brave, truthful, and unselfish. Jiminy Cricket was Pinocchio's guide and helper, and he taught him right from wrong. Pinocchio was easily swayed by unscrupulous fellows who led him astray. He could be very easily led astray. The wicked fox and his helper, Giddy, 
There was also Stromboli, who was the leader of a circus, the owner of a circus. And he was very materialistic, and he was all about money. He took Pinocchio captive, put him in similar to a birdcage, and uh, Pinocchio was eventually set free by his friend, Jiminy Cricket. One thing led to another, and he eventually wound up at Pleasure Island. Pleasure Island, if you've heard the story, you're familiar with the story, you knew that he had everything that he wanted that was given to him, and not all of those things were good things. If he lied, his nose would grow, or should I say his wooden nose would grow. He quickly learned worldly pleasure did not replace his love for Geppetto. He escaped from Pleasure Island, but he was reunited with Geppetto. And in subsequently, what happened is they were swallowed. Geppetto was already deep in the belly of a whale. Jiminy, uh, Jiminy Cricket and Pinocchio were swallowed by the whale also. They tried to figure out how they could get out, and eventually they came up with a uh, uh, plan, and they were spewed out of the whale's stomach. And the only thing that happened is Geppetto was safe, uh, Jiminy Cricket was safe, but what happened is Pinocchio died. I don't know if he drowned or just the shock of it, he died. So Geppetto took him to his home. He had him laying on the bed, and he cried over him. And the blue fairy came again and gave life to Pinocchio. He became a true living boy, and they lived a brave and truthful and prosperous life, very unselfish. This is just a story, but it demonstrates that there is wickedness in our world. We have to choose which path we take. That's a choice that each of us as individuals has to make. Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14 say, For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Only a few find it. Why don't we turn to God's word as I read our passage for today. 1 John 2, verses 15 to 25. Could I have you all stand? As we look at the passage of 1 John 2, we see that we can know Jesus is our king, and choose him above the, ch the shiny world around us. 1 John 2, verses 15 to 25. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh... 
and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might be complained that they all are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist. He, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. This is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. You can take your seats. Let's pray just so I can get this off the edge here. <laughs> Heavenly Father, um, I believe each of us are in this building today, Lord, to worship you, to um, magnify you, to draw closer to you. When we come in from the world outside, Father, there's a lot of times we bring in struggles, we bring in doubts, we bring in hopes. Father, I pray that you would alleviate those, that you would um, fill us with your spirit, uh, help us to hear the words that I say, Lord. I pray that they would be ones that would penetrate deep to the heart. Father, people would have ears to hear and hearts to understand, Father, the message that you have before them. We thank you, Lord, for this day. We give you praise and thanks in the name of our Lord and Savior, Christ. Amen. There's three points that I want to make for you today. So if you do take notes, this is the time to get out your pen and paper. Number one, don't go after shiny things. They will break. Instead, have an eternal perspective. Don't go after shiny things, but have an eternal perspective. Number two, children who have been anointed, stay the course. Stay the course. And number three, know the truth and confess 
that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. John isn't talking about our love for God or his creation. God has given mankind the responsibility to care for the earth he has created. What John is saying is that we should not be a part of man's rebellion against God, choosing to live our life independent of God. You see that often as we go through our society. When I just talked about love, love here signifies an affection for or a devotion to something. We have to choose. Do I love God or do I love the world? Do I love God or do I love the world? In 1 John 1, verses 5 and 6 said, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. The world that John is talking about here is man's rebellion against God and living independently of God. Having a focus on our own desires, our own will, our own self, without any acknowledgement of God. Joel spoke a couple of weeks ago on Ephesians 6. He emphasized that there is a battle raging in the unseen world for your soul. For your soul. He explained that we can resist the schemes of the devil by putting on or equipping ourselves with the full armor of God. I love the many opportunities that life has to offer, but I also understand that we may have to be wise in the choices we make and the decisions we make if we want to walk in close fellowship with God. In our passage, verse 15 says, the love of the Father is not in him. We have to choose. Do I love God or do I love the world? You can't, you can't uh, ride on the top of the fence and be both ways. You have to choose. Do I love God or do I love the world? You can't be in both arenas. Depending upon biblical translations, in the New American Standard Bible, and uh, verse 16 explains that we have a lust for, of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the boastful pride of life. We may be bothered by all three. You may only be bothered by one. You probably recall reading about the fall of mankind in Genesis 3, where it speaks of the serpent, or Satan, who tempted Eve. The serpent questioned the words of God when he said, you surely will not die. 
For God knows that in the day that you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. In verse 6 of Genesis 3, says, When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. I believe that Adam was standing right beside Eve when Satan was tempting her. And he failed to stop her from eating, joining with her choice to consume the fruit. In Luke 4, Luke wrote about when Jesus was in the wilderness and being tempted by Satan. He was suffering from hunger. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus quoted Deuteronomy 8.3, stating that man did not live on bread alone. When Jesus was tempted again by the devil, by the devil, with all the kingdoms of the world at his disposal, which would be all the riches, man. Satan tempted Jesus to worship him. You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Again, the devil tempted Jesus by taking him to the highest pinnacle of the temple and putting him to the test of pride. If you really are the son of God, throw yourself down. Jesus quoted Deuteronomy 6, 16. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Some of the tests that these, uh, or that we face, would be lusts of the flesh, and things would be uh, something that would gratify our physical self. Overeating, overindulgence, uh, addictions, physical lusts, pleasure, being a workaholic, and the list goes on and on and on. The desires of the eyes, desiring significance, attractions, increasing self-esteem, and anything you do that you make yourself feel more attractive, or more valuable. That's where your heart, I'm talking about your heart being cent centered on bringing that out. The pride of life would be things like arrogance, a desire for power, or prestige, or position. You can be like God. 1 John 2, verse 17 says, 
and the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. I ask you, what is the will of God? What is the will of God? Mark 12, verses 30 and 31 state, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We must be mindful of how we relate to others. We need to pay attention to our own thoughts. And our own actions. We cannot do this on our own. But must pray for God to reveal to us what actions will lead us to live in obedience to Christ. With the help of the Holy Spirit. The second point that I wanted to make is this. The children that have been anointed stay the course. The children that have been anointed stay the course. I must say that uh, the book of 1 John was written toward the end of the first century, probably around 90 to 95 A.D., I believe it was written by the Apostle John. He was an elderly man, was the last of the living apostles. The people of Asia Minor were younger people, even though they were adults. I believe John is speaking as a grandfather figure, speaking to them as his children, and that's why it comes out, children stay the course. When John says that it is the last hour, he's speaking with the expectation that Jesus' return for his church is imminent. Each of us need to have the same mindset. I believe that given the condition the world is in now, with the nation stepping forward politically to show their power, the return of Jesus could be very well within my own lifetime. And I'm 70 years old, so I have a few years on most of you. John is speaking to the churches that were becoming confused due to false teachers and deceivers who were troubling their people. I can only say Stay the course. Make sure you focus upon the word of God. Hear practical teaching by leaders in a good fundamental church. In verse 18, the author is speaking of the coming final world leader who is energized by Satan and who will seek to replace and oppose the true Christ. In New American Standard Bible and ESV, Antichrist is not capitalized. 
it is capitalized in some other of the translations. The word Antichrist is found only in 1st and 2nd John. No other places in the scriptures, as the written word states. What we need to understand is, number one, Antichrist will depart from Christian fellowship. Antichrist will depart from Christian fellowship. Number two, Antichrist will deceive the Christian faithful. They'll do everything that's in their power to deceive the Christian faithful. Which do we take? What we need to understand is that um, I'm not talking about when we are sometimes confused or have questions or doubts about how God allows hard circumstances to bring us closer to him. When we have doubts or questions about something, we need to look into the Bible or talk with a brother or sister or pastor, Joel, to see how Christ reveals the answer. 1 Peter 5 says, be on your guard. Be on your guard. That's not only for an hour or two here on Sunday morning. That means all the time. Be on your guard. Be aware of who you listen to. Satan will do everything that is possible for him to do, to deceive you, to throw you into doubts, to bring you away from the church. Verse 20 says, but you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. When it says we have been anointed, it means that we, were, that we are filled with all the fullness of God so that we can faithfully do his work in the world. And that work is different for every person seated here today. What I might be called to do is different than what you might be called to do. And that work is, um, can be various modes, various times, in various ways. We each have a different calling in how to serve Christ. You need to be obedient and ask in prayer how you can be used for Christ's glory. You all have knowledge. Uh, the question I ask is, knowledge? Knowledge of what? Knowledge that Jesus Christ, uh, that Jesus is the Christ. My Bible has notes at the bottom of most of the pages to add to the clarity of the written word. It says two characteristics mark genuine Christians in contrast to the Antichrist. Number one, the Holy Spirit or the anointing guards them from error. Christ, as the Holy One, imparts the Holy Spirit as their illuminating guardian from deception. Second thing, the Holy Spirit guides them into knowing all 
things. True Christians have a built-in lie detector and persevere in truth. Those who remain in heresy and apostasy manifest the fact that they were never genuinely born again. They may come to church, but they are genuinely never born again. In the three points that I made, let's go to the third point. Knowing the truth and confessing that Jesus is the Christ. Knowing the truth and confessing that Jesus is the Christ. Starting with verse 21, I wanted to read to you again. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. Abide, when it's used in this, is used in a very, uh, as a very active verb. And it means to remain or stay. To remain or stay. Abiding in Christ means that we have to enter into a union with God that changes our legal status. We have a righteous, righteousness that comes by faith in Christ, and we are justified by that faith. Because of that faith, we also have communion with Jesus, life-giving, soul-thrilling, and joy-producing. Do you have that communion with Jesus? Life-giving, soul-thrilling, and joy-producing. And this is the promise that he made to us. Eternal life. Eternal life. I don't understand, and you probably don't understand, the completeness of what eternal life with Christ means. I believe it will be joyful, beautiful, peaceful, rewarding, fulfilling. The list goes on and on. Life-giving, soul-thrilling, and joy-producing. I do not know fully what all that means, but I, knew, I do know that I yearn to be a part of it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord, for um, just bringing each of us together that we might uh, hear how your Holy Spirit speaks through this message to each of us. Father, we all come from different circumstances, from uh, we may have brought different weights uh, with us, 
Father, we are grateful that when we pursue you, when we look into your word, when we look to you, Father, you will answer those questions that we may have. Father, thank you, Lord, for uh, giving us this life-giving, soul-thrilling, just bountiful life that we have in Christ Jesus. Bless us now, Father, for we ask it in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this message from Hollyview Church. We invite you to join us in person for our worship service every Sunday morning at 1030. You can find us on Southeast 257th Avenue, just off of Highway 212 between Boring and Damascus, Oregon, or find us online at hollyviewchurch.com. Together, we are being shaped by the gospel, rooted in God's word to share God's grace and truth. Again, whether online or in person, thank you for joining us here at Hollyview Church.